quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The North Korea summit is no more. Donald Trump calls the whole thing off. Plus, dueling intel briefings on Capitol Hill. But will anyone leave satisfied? And the president says, if athletes don't stand for the national anthem, maybe they should leave the country. This is the State of America tonight. I've decided to terminate the planned summit. This is a tremendous setback for North Korea and indeed a setback for the world. I think we're rocking. I think we're ready. We, we were fully fully engaged over the past weeks to prepare for this meeting. I mean, if you look at Clapper, he sort of admitted that they had spies in the campaign. Did the intelligence community spy on, on President Trump and his campaign? Uh, no, we did not. They weren't trying to infiltrate him, steal his debate notes or something. Joe Johns, live in Washington for Kate Baldwin. This is the State of America tonight. We'll see turns into we are out. President Trump says his meeting with Kim Jong-un is off. I believe that this is a tremendous setback for North Korea and indeed a setback for the world. In an earlier statement, the president wrote in part, quote, based on the tremendous anger and open hostility displayed in your most recent statement, I feel it is inappropriate at this time to have this long planned meeting. Mr. Trump is referring to comments North Korean officials made about Vice President Mike Pence. More on that in a moment. But first, let's recall how we got here, shall we? National Security Advisor John Bolton kicks things off for us. And we have very much in mind the Libya model from 2003, 2004. Uh, there are obviously differences. The Libyan program was much smaller. Uh, but that was basically the agreement that we made. In the Libyan model, Muammar Gaddafi gave up his nukes in exchange for sanctions relief. He's no longer alive, by the way. Before being ousted from power years later by U.S.-backed rebels, President Trump went on to walk back Bolton's comments. The Libyan model isn't a model that we have at all when we're thinking of North Korea. And then Vice President Pence upped the contradictions and confusion by saying this a few days ago. There was some talk about the Libyan model right. last week. And, um, you know, as the president made clear, um, you know, this, uh, this will only end like the Libyan model ended if Kim Jong-un doesn't make a deal. Pence's remarks, which some observers say were equal to a threat, sparked outrage in North Korea. And in a scathing statement, officials blasted the vice president as, quote, a political dummy. Sources tell CNN the president and his aides were infuriated by the insult and wanted to respond forcefully. But there may be some other factors in today's decision. Here's CNN's global affairs correspondent, Elise Labatt. They did not have real clarity about what Kim was willing to talk about, his true intentions, even though 
they're hanging this on the recent rhetoric. I think it was a lack of clarity and and a, you mm-hmm. know the fact that they were unsure about whether this summit was going so, to be successful Elise? or a bust. On Capitol Hill, what would you expect? A mixed reaction from lawmakers. The pendulum seems to swing from Nobel Peace Prize or our nuclear weapons are stronger than yours. I do hope uh, that we are able to find some moderation here and not uh, go back to the bellicose uh, war talks. I think it actually shows a position of strength. And frankly, it is to the Kim regime's advantage to meet with the president and negotiate. I'm not predicting this, but I would not be surprised if they come back and try to keep this meeting on or at least reschedule for the near term. From all appearances, this development stunned North Korean officials who today appeared to destroy part of a nuclear test site as a sign of their willingness to denuclearize ahead of the planned meeting. CNN's Will Ripley was with some of them when they got the news. There was just a real sense of shock uh, amongst the people that I was sitting with, the North Korean officials. Being inside this country just hours after they'd blown up the nuclear site and learning of, of this, uh, it, it, it was a very awkward uh, and uncomfortable moment, and we'll have to see what happens in the, coming, in the coming hours and days on the ground here. And now let's turn the page to the other big story rocking Washington today. Right now, top officials at the Justice Department are holding the second of two classified briefings with lawmakers, this one with bipartisan congressional leaders known as the Gang of Eight. That meeting was hastily scheduled after Democratic backlash over the first meeting, initially Republican-only before the last-minute edition of House Democrat Adam Schiff. Joining them is White House Chief of Staff John Kelly, who was initially left off the invite list, and his attendance raised a red flag for one former federal prosecutor. The president is also the criminal subject of an investigation that's ongoing, and no criminal subject gets an inside look at the investigation. Chief of Staff should not be in this meeting. The president should not know what's happening in this meeting. He's brokered this meeting, and he should be out of it. But Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer, a member of the Gang of Eight, says there was no need to have two briefings in the first place. Well, it's a good thing that the Gang of Eight will be briefed the separate meeting with a known partisan, he says, whose only intent is to undermine the Mueller investigation makes no sense and should be called off. What is the point of separate briefing if not to cause partisan trouble? The former Republican head of the Intelligence Committee says the meeting could lead to an undesirable outcome. I don't know what the FBI is going to give them or the Department of Justice, but they're going to handle some of the see some of the most very sensitive information where it actually could get someone hurt or killed. These are really serious, complicated things, and it's not to be made political. But critics say the president's constant attacks on the Justice Department in the wake of the Mueller investigation and his firing of James Comey are doing exactly that. Now, one senator, Maine's Angus King, is sounding the alarm, saying the president's comments could have a dangerous and lasting impact on U.S. democracy. We're a 200-year anomaly in world history. This is a very uh, important experiment, but it is an experiment and it's not guaranteed. And it rests upon an underlying confidence and trust of the public in their institutions. If people don't trust the government, then it just all falls apart. Sobering words there from the senator. 
The cancellation of the Trump-Tim summit has observers worried about what's going to happen next. Our senior diplomatic correspondent, Michelle Kaczynski, and national security analyst, Samantha Vinograd, are standing by. So uh, we want to start with you, Michelle. Give me your take on what's going on this day. Uh, on, on where we are, where we go forward, I mean, those questions are, are, are absolutely there. I mean, we heard Secretary of State Pompeo today. He was asked repeatedly, since he, he was on the Hill already talking to senators um, in the Foreign Relations Committee. That meeting, of course, was supposed to be about the budget, but this overtook um, the subject matter, obviously. So a number of senators asked him, you know, where do we go from here? What's the next step? What do we do now? What's the plan B? Uh, and he really didn't have a lot to say about that. It's about keeping discussions going among the U.S. teams that have had been trying to put together this summit. Um, and then it's basically, in his words, you know, being open to that call and to that outreach from North Korea. So it's really, you know, up to Kim Jong-un, as Pompeo said, what happens next. But I don't know that that's the best position for the U.S. to be in right now. I mean, they, they clearly saw fit that this was not the time, that this was not going to be successful if they tried to push forward with the summit for the sake of a summit now. Uh, probably the best decision, but maybe some of that should have been known earlier. So at this point, um, not much is being said on the part of the State Department as to, you know, where we go exactly, except that there's optimism that this can get back on track. Um, big question, I guess, is how the North Koreans are realistically going to respond to this. And does Kim reach out again and say, no, no, I was wrong. I'm willing now to do things the way you right. wanted me to do them. So, and Samantha, I want to ask you, there's been so much talk about the lack of parameters before this meeting was set. And is it that simple or were there some other atmospherics that made it a bad idea for both sides to go forward? Well, I think the problem is that this was a rush job and we're playing catch up now and reeling from the consequences. Typically, for these kinds of meetings, I was part of a lot of uh, head of state meetings during my time in the administration. Before you actually agree to the carrot of a face-to-face -face meeting, there's certain homework that you have to do, including whether you're certain that the other side is going to show up. We're talking a lot about the fact that President Trump canceled this meeting, and I'm really struck by some of his language over the course of the last few hours, again, making clear that he's the one who decided to call this off. It could have been a case of four cold feet, and the United States may have gotten indications that Kim wasn't fully committed to showing up. And that's exactly why, typically, before you publicly announce a face-to-face -face head of state meeting, you do extensive intelligence and diplomatic uh, research and outreach to make sure, for one, you know what you're going for, Two, you know how to approach the negotiator on the other side of the table. And three, that you're certain he or she is going to show up. I don't think we knew any of that. And so we agreed to something before we knew what we were buying. And now we're scrambling to try to figure out what to do next. Michelle, other administrations certainly have tried to deal with the enormous North Korea problem each time they went down to defeat on it. Does this situation simply throw uh, the Trump administration's efforts into that same dustbin or has, in fact, the Trump administration moved uh, a bit further in the right direction? 
Well, because past efforts have failed, it's hard to fault somebody for trying something new. And I, I think in this situation, you have two very, very unique leaders who maybe in their strange approaches to things and their almost equally uh, difficult rhetoric over the course of months, maybe there was ground there to find some sort of common, uh, you know, some some sort of common ground in the fact that they are not, uh, they're not the same as others approaches would be, that you know, that, that could have worked. It seemed like it was on the path to being this big surprise, like Kim extended the handout saying he was ready for talks and Trump immediately accepted. I mean, both of those things took people by surprise. Um, so it, it's hard to say, you know, at, at least the Trump administration did get the success on their side of getting the American detainees released. So something in this approach worked at least to that extent. Uh, it's hard to say exactly where this goes from here, but we, we do know that the North Koreans were getting cold feet weeks ago and saying that they were going to pull out. That should have been maybe a bigger red flag that the U.S. tried to end up salvaging. And right. now we are where we are now. And Sam, last question for you. There was so much talk about the Libya model. We heard it from Bolton. We heard it from the vice president. How much of a factor was that really at the end of the day? And do you think it did cause great consternation in North Korea? Well, the crazy thing is we actually have a tale of two Libya models here and that when John Bolton referenced Libya model, I think he was referencing the denuclearization that took place under the Bush administration. When Pence referenced Libya model and even President Trump more recent, recently, they've been referencing the fact that uh, Gaddafi ended up dead as a result of military intervention by an international coalition. I think that Pence knew exactly what he was doing when he went on television and spoke about what could happen to Gaddafi. I think that he knew how the North Koreans would respond. They had called Bolton repugnant after his comments about Libya. So the fact that they called Pence ignorant and stupid after his comments is not a surprise to me. But I don't think that we called this off because our feelings are hurt over what the North Koreans said about Vice President Pence. I think that this was just the icing on the cake or a convenient hug to cancel the summit. Our thanks best in the business there, Michelle and Samantha, both of you. Coming up, a pair of classified intelligence briefings today and two very different takes on what investigators are trying to uncover. The panel joins me straight ahead. intelligence briefings today taking a deep dive back into the 26th election campaign uh, with those discussions the president is keen on exposing a political intruder in his campaign but democrats are seeing a major diversionary tactic to take the focus away from the Mueller investigation the panel tonight jason miller cnn political commentator and former senior communications advisor for the trump campaign tara setmeyer CNN political commentator and former communications director for Republican Congressman Dana Rohrabacher, Bob Cusack, editor-in-chief of The Hill, and Matt Bennett, Democratic strategist and former Bill Clinton White House official. So, Jason, start with you. What do we get out of these intelligence briefings today? Uh, a great uproar over whether Democrats would be an included uh, decision to go ahead and include them and, and have two meetings. What's the takeaway for the American public 
when we've talked so much about process? Well, and Democrats should be included in these meetings. I think as Republicans, anytime there are meetings that are just uh, with one party or the other, we start getting away from the substance and what's going on. And so again, if we're talking about the process, that's a distraction. I mean, the fact of the matter here is there's this Steph Halper, this Cambridge University professor that appears to be have running some sort of entrapment operation, reaching out to three uh, fringe Trump campaign officials, trying to reach out to them to see if they knew something about Russia and some sort of collusion thing. And I think there but is an effort. But are we in agreement that it wasn't spying? Well, hold on, but Clapper even came out and said that they weren't spying on the campaign, they were spying on the Russians, but here is this, it looked like it looked like a pretty clear entrapment effort from someone either at the FBI or the DOJ. So I think what lawmakers are trying to get to is the bottom of what exactly was right. going on here, and I think those are fair questions. Uh, Tara, are we splitting hairs on this spying business? Yes, I mean, the, the President of the United States already admitted that he wanted the term spy to be used because it sounded more nefarious, not that it was accurate, which is a propaganda effort on the part of the president of the United States and shame on him for doing that when we're talking about a counterintelligence operation that was started because there was legitimate reason on the part of our intelligence agencies that the Russians were trying to infiltrate and and, and influence our election. I mean, we cannot deny how many contacts, whether they were winning or unwitting, that the Trump campaign had with Russian officials throughout this entire thing, including George Papadopoulos, who was just sentenced, but bragging about the Russians having damaging information on Hillary Clinton to an Australian diplomat. That's how this okay. whole thing started. All right, so, so Bob, we, 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 yeah, we, we know about politics in the United States. This is sure. a midterm election right now, and it, it does appear, at least to some extent, uh, an attempt to muddy the water if you will, yeah. uh, as we move toward uh, elections. Does that even get through? Because so many veteran po uh, political reporters suggest the American public doesn't hear process. And I'd imagine our international audience doesn't understand it either. Yeah, I, I think to some degree this really does help the president because he can muddy the waters. This plays into the script of Republicans going after the deep state. Uh, whether it's a spy or informant, well, I mean, we don't know yet. I mean, there's a lot we don't know. And I think there are valid questions here. I agree that it should have been bipartisan. Democrats should have been part of it. But here, Trump can go after Mueller, even though Mueller was not the special counsel at that time. And look at the situation today uh, as a Democratic operative, if you will. In Washington, D.C., many years ago, especially with Bill Clinton, we had concerns about uh, you know, an, an impeachment moving forward. And he did just about everything he could, along with Democrats, to head that off. Eventually, uh, he was uh, not convicted by the Senate. Do you see some parallels? Well, certainly. Uh, we thought, I was working in the Clinton White House, we thought that that was an illegitimate impeachment. But what happened, and I think it's important for Republicans to understand what happened, uh, he was impeached by the House, he was acquitted by the Senate, as you say, and then his approval rating was 63%, 21 points higher than the current Trump approval rating. So uh, be careful what you ask for when you, uh, when you talk about impeachment. But I, I do think, uh, just referring to what Jason said, I disagreed with everything after the fact of the matter is, and that often happens with Trump people. Um, the, the waters are incredibly muddy, that is being conducted from the very top. It, it, there's, there's no spying here, that's ridiculous. But. We are talking about something that voters aren't focused on, and that's good for Republicans. Probably. All right, thanks. Stay with us. Uh, coming up, the summit is off, at least for now. What went wrong and what happens next? We'll talk it over with our panel.
President Trump considers himself a deal maker, but he's also said he knows when to walk away from the table, and he's walked away from a very important table in Singapore. The impact is being felt around the world. Back to our panel. Jason, start with you again. Was this a lose-lose for both sides, and that's the reason the United States essentially decided to pull the plug before North Korea did? But I think it's important to keep in mind that uh, success doesn't always look like a, a straight line. and There might be a whole bunch of fits and starts, and this is the North Korea problem is something that's perplexed administrations from the Clintons to the Bushes to the Obamas, uh, and now obviously into the Trump administration. But here's what we know, is that the only thing that that Kim really understands is economic sanctions and the threat of being wiped off the map. Anything else, then he starts getting outside of his lane and tries to start playing funny business and, and a whole bunch of games. Ever since the North Korean delegation got together with the American delegation, they started having these conversations. They were criticizing the vice president, uh, and another thing happened just, and I've criticized the joint exercises between the South Koreans and the Americans, but another thing happened, the North Koreans stood up the Americans on the walkthrough right. in Singapore. That's big, because if they don't even show up to the walkthrough, pull the plug now, step back, say, you know what, we're going to continue with these economic sanctions, and don't forget, we have a mighty big stick that we're not afraid to use. That's going to make Kim think about it, and we'll come back later, because if they went to Singapore right. uh, under, these, uh, under this context, it would have been a disaster. Uh, success is not a straight line indeed, but we're not even in the same ballpark as success. This was an utter failure. This is a guy that got elected president on the promise that he was this fantastic deal maker. He has not made any deals. He has pulled out of a whole bunch of deals. Now, North Korea is a tough one, though, right? A no doubt. No doubt. And, and Jason is right that uh, all other presidents of both parties have failed with the North Koreans. But he promised to do better. He said, stupid people have been negotiating on your behalf. I'm smart. I'm going to figure it out. And he has just been schooled by the right. North Koreans. But work in progress, right? Uh, right. This, you both, know. both things can be true. I agree with that part mm -hmm. of it. And, but I also agree with what Jason said, that the Trump administration has put what they call extreme pressure on the North Koreans, unlike other administrations, which is what brought the North Koreans to this point to begin with. Now, whether there was a full strategy put in place that the president was listening to in order to navigate this very rocky, uh, you know, rocky road here with the with the North Koreans is a different story. But the, what we haven't talked about is China's role in this whole thing. Um, I've believed from the beginning that China was causing mischief in this. They did not want to see rapid uh, denuclearization. De they wanted to be piecemeal, you know, quid pro quo, you do for us, we do for them. And I think that once China met with North Korea, you started to see the change in tone. And, I, and China's been propping this regime up for years, and they have a vested interest in putting this off as well. So what is the last uh, looking backward question. Uh -huh. What about this? Libya model business. Yeah. Was that uh, just a big blunder or do you think it was when they decided they were going to get out, they decided to pick a fight? I don't think that helped the situation. I mean, you think back is this started with a lot of name calling. Dotar, North Korea called Trump that little rocket man. And then they were nice to each other. I do think there there's a chance that they could get some type of uh, settlement with it. OK, maybe not June 12th, but later on. I think the, the thing to watch now is what North Korea does. I mean, do they go back to, to testing? Uh, nuclear weapons. What, are they provocative? North Korea has incentive to come back to the table. Let's see if they do. No, well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, our exit question, because we're going to got to get there. Is this thing really going anywhere? And you have to remember, other presidents have tried. Well, it's a pause. Obviously, the Trump administration is going to keep doing it. Let's not forget, this is the Trump administration, so it might have the tough words today. We could be back at the negotiating table in a matter of days or a matter of weeks. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Going anywhere? Um, I think it, we need to proceed with caution. This is why you don't get ahead of yourself. Words matter in diplomacy. Who knew diplomacy was so hard? And maybe you don't mint a coin before you have the... Uh
before you have matter, the summit. We got the wrong guy at the table for us, and there is no way this is going anywhere. I know you don't like to make predictions. Yeah. What do you think? I think, I think it's less than 50-50. I mean, but I still think there's a decent, I'm going to put it 25%. They both want it. They both want it. It's just a matter of who can get the upper hand in, in, in the world. But do they want China, it? I mean, the question is whether it was throwing up a bunch of well, smoke screens and red... Kim, yeah. Kim can't survive under these current economic sanctions. Right. I mean, Unless this, China, his, if China breaks them, though, he can, China can prop North Korea. But, I mean, they're, they're, they're down. I mean, these are literally, as is, is, you agree, I mean, literally the most powerful economic sanctions oh, yeah. in world history. And we should keep them. Well, exactly. Let me bring one more in. One more in. What was the the mountain explosion thing today about? Kabuki the timing theater. of it was so weird. Kabuki, Kabuki theater that was already destroyed after the last major test that they had. This is just Kabuki theater to make them look like they're doing something. They were going to destroy it anyway. Don't all be fooled. Right. Okay, I, I think we're good at this point. Thanks so much for you all. It was great to see you uh, once again. Thanks to everybody. That's State of America tonight. If you haven't yet, check out our podcast. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. Kate Baldwin. Going to be back tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.